Welcome to Atlanta, jacking hammers and bows. Back to the mackin' and jacking the clothes. Adolescents packing the foes. A knock on the door. Who is it? I would happen to know the one with the flow. Who did it? It was me, I suppose. JD in the rolls and looters in the cut supreme. Skating down old Nat, got tucked and lean. I split your spleen. As a matter of fact, I split your team. No blood on the sneaks, gotta keep it so my kicks is clean. I get the cream. Cops see me flick my beans. I'm allergic to doc prescribed antihistamines. Oink, oink, pig, pig, do away with the pork. Only silver, I need a steak knife and a fork. Did you forget your fucking manners? I'm Bruce with banners. Ludacris, Johnny Rockets when I shoot the cannon. The woolly mammoth saber tooth, bitch, bite your tongue. I won't stop until I'm rich as the whites will come. I pull up in the black lotus, your plaques are bogus. So I strip them off the wall, waiting for my cue to corner pocket eight balls. You racking them up, I'm big paper like pancakes, stacking them up. In fact, I'm slapping them up. Cadillac is a truck. I can't lose with 22s, bitch, that's what's up. Running in the back to fuck, better than the aqueduct. Chilling in 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 Welcome to Atlanta where the play is play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming And parties don't stop till 8 in the morning Welcome to Atlanta where the play is play And we ride on them things like every day Hello everyone and welcome to the Two Red Gringos Not Atlanta, but... Uh, we are recording this exactly, I don't know, like half an hour after the Super Bowl ended, so it felt very fitting to to lead in with Atlanta and Jermaine Dupree. Um, mm. But as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Pat Staley. Pat, how you doing? Doing well. A lot of... A lot, of, a lot of fond memories, a lot of uh, things come to mind whenever I hear Welcome to Atlanta. Um, and even with the Super Bowl and the ludicrous connection to Fast and the Furious and all that like popping up that we were talking about earlier. But the question that comes to mind is, what happened to Jermaine Dupree? Is he still married to Janet Jackson? I actually don't know. Uh, well, hmm. I don't think anybody does. Well, that... uh I don't know. That definitely deserves some some research. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll get on the research team yeah. to look up where is Jermaine Dupree right now. Yeah, can uh, can our interns Actually, get after that real quick? I think yep. if we just, I don't know if it's this one or the remix, but if we just let the song play out, Jermaine Dupree will literally tell us where he is on any given night of the week in Atlanta. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, <laughs> he lists his schedule. Like, do you remember when uh, Mark Wahlberg posted that Instagram and everybody made, like, a joke about it because it's, like, his daily routine? Did you ever see that? No. Well, Jermaine Dupree was the original because <laughs> he just put it in a track. Here's my schedule daily. If you need me, you know where to find me. Yeah, and then did a remix to it where he updated it because one of the clubs that he had originally listed had done him wrong so he says he 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 doesn't go there no more and then (laughs) p diddy describes where he goes in new york i think snoop dogg says something about california and then murphy lee who never gets any credit whatsoever especially in the shake your tail feather video (laughs) (laughs) describes st louis so they really packaged that and ran with it yeah they really they were after the schedule motif, I guess, but uh, very organized. <laughs> and for anyone who's listened to this 
pod for any extended time, you'll you'll know what uh what big Murphy Lee fans we are. We dove into Murphy Lee's discography on one uh, bonus episode. So, um, so the Super Bowl just got played. Did you uh, did you particularly care? No. <laughs> no, I, I I watched a little bit of the playoffs this year, and of course I, I put the Super Bowl on. But no, I watched the first half on my phone and the second half on the iPad. So yeah, I was that invested in. There was also not much to watch. But now, is there something to be said that you know a lot of times just being American soccer fans? Um, there's a lot of times that you try to show the sport to other people and you, you say like, man, I really hope that it's a good game. So it'll be a good, you know, kind of advertisement for the sport and show how exciting it it can be. It is this kind of a gift in the other way where it's like, look, your sport can be boring as shit too. (laughs) sat through this. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but it works in reverse too. So like right. shouldn't people that are pro NFL and listening be like, well, shouldn't you guys love like scoreless, uh, scoreless <laughs> games and all that? So, so yeah, but I, I mean, it was, it, it's enjoyable to watch. Um, I was really just waiting for the halftime show for Maroon five, mm-hmm. just to hear the part where he howls like a wolf in the song <laughs> animals. He and- sort of did it before moves like Jagger. Right. So he kind of did it. So yeah. uh, overall, it was, it was a win for me. There's, what did you think about Travis Scott's entrance? Was, so uh, they, I, they played like a SpongeBob clip. Yeah. And then there was a meteor <laughs> headed for the stadium. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Travis Scott is standing there in the middle of fire in actual fire, though, at first, yeah, I was real like, fire. oh, it's just, it's just animated. And I was like, no, he might, he might literally be on fire right yeah. now. I don't know. I don't know what, like, SpongeBob was, I missed that. I missed that. So I don't know how it resonates, resonates with the kids these days. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I think Twitter seemed to enjoy it. <laughs> I couldn't tell. That's all I really care about. I couldn't do it. Yeah, but, um, so... I mean, as with any sporting event, we always like to enjoy a beverage or two uh, during a big game. But did you have a poison that got you through the game? And then what are you rocking for the episode tonight? I did. I wanted to save these for a podcast where you and I and also Dan, a.k.a. Darbo, a.k.a. 4-4-SP was also on. Because I, I I think it's like everything that you guys hate in a beer. Not everything, but just like it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty douchey. So my favorite local I've got two poisons. And one, thanks to Rappy, came just in the nick of the time nick of time. Still a little warm though, but for the Super Bowl, I busted out the uh Colima, the lager Colimita. Mm is one of my favorite kind of like larger kind of craft operations that they have here. Right. And so they they moved the the lager. They still have it in the bottle. But now they have it in these sleek like tall thin cans. Imagine like some type of carbon can of like Michelob Ultra. 
that's the look and the feel. Right. That, so it really resonates with you. Oh yeah. Like this is, this is everything I've wanted in a beer, like peak, peak douche, but like hyper aware douche that also wants a little bit of craft, which is like the worst kind of douche. Um, so that I, I polish those off. Hyper aware douche. <laughs> which as I said, was the worst kind of douche, but <laughs> I polished those off, and then I had to go to uh, Trusted Rappy, the food delivery, mm-hmm. grocery, restaurants, all that. And they delivered me a six-pack of Modelo Amber, nice. which, to my initial dismay, was room temperature. Um, <laughs> but I'm bearing with it. <laughs> it, it is a, uh, a distinctly like English style, as we've discussed in the past, so... Yes. It gives you a little bit more, like, authenticity. Oh, um, yeah. After the commercials tonight, well, how many of the commercials did you see? A, a good amount. I and found then, myself uh, having, like, a prolonged chuckle tonight at a lot of commercials. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't know. Like I said, I was watching most of it on my phone, so right. I didn't, like, get the feel for too many. Like As the it, Pepsi, like the OK, the right. Game of Thrones. I was upset by that one because yeah. I was hoping that Budweiser was going to say, like, we know how shitty this marketing scheme has been with this dilly dilly. Yeah. And we were going to let Game of Thrones come in here and brutally murder everything. But they did in a way where it still kind of lingered and was like, dilly dilly's still here. It'll it'll be popping right. its head back up. So right. I was upset with that one. The... Uh... With the Bud Light commercials, though, are you suddenly now very concerned about the amount of corn syrup in your beer? No. Is that just the new one where they just said, like, nobody has this, so let's just say, like, we don't have this. Like <laughs> They started going uh, after, like, everybody for having corn <laughs> syrup in their beer. Who has corn syrup in the beer? Apparently Coors and uh, Miller Lite. Did they just find, like, one thing that trace amounts of... Corn syrup existed in other beers. I guess. Maybe it's in this Modelo right now. I don't know. The craziest thing is that the, like, Corn Growers Association of America, like, tweeted at (laughs) Bud Light, like, immediately. Or, like, we're very disappointed and we're happy to have our corn in, like, these fine beers and added like Miller Lite and Coors as their as their like backup. Oh yeah, it was a bizarre moment. Real hey, bizarre. I don't get the direction. Like it, it seemed a little personal. Like somebody had offended Budweiser, and they just went all in on this. Like we have five ingredients. Like they're those hipster like nutritious bars or whatever that <laughs> list the ingredients on the package on front. Like right. Your your Bud Light, like nobody gives a shit what's in that beer, like loaded up with corn syrup. Right. Just yeah, the ingredients are the least important thing about your beer, basically. <laughs> like you Is there one, alcohol in it? Like your one competitor that you're attacking literally sells beer based on the temperature, which they don't <laughs> control. The customer controls, unless it's being delivered to you, in your case. Um but the uh, yeah, so tonight I'm uh, 
Yeah, what do you got going on? As far as as far as my poison, um, I'm rocking, and this is courtesy of of Erica because she, she picked it up uh, since I've been working all weekend. Oh, um, but yeah, so she ran out um, without uh, any prompt or anything. No notes. Yeah, no consult. No, notes. no consulting. And just went in. Yeah, she she played it safe, but she she did a good job. She got the. Uh, the Shiner Day Quencher, which is just Ooh. a, it's a new, new one. They're, uh, they're trying something new. It's just like a, uh, like a drinkable, not even, it's a pale ale, I guess, but it's like very easy to drink, like very, yeah. not very hoppy like, and just I like those. real nice, real nice. So perfect for the pod. So cheers as we get started. Salute. How big is that glass that you're drinking from right now? I don't know if it's the camera angle. It looks like it's 40 ounces. It just <laughs> looks is, massive. I'm, right? <laughs> I'm playing Edward 40 hands with myself. Uh, <laughs> no, it is uh, It is 20 fluid ounces. Okay. It's just, I think, how close it is to the camera. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Anyways. Um, so, now that we've gotten all that out of the way, we can... Uh, we can move on to other more important topics. Um, uh, yeah. So from, from football or I like that Ronaldo was very upset with. Um, <laughs> did you see his tweet today? It was just the typical like, how is this sport called football? I just appreciate <laughs> that like level of like, you know, kind of jabbing him just before the Super Bowl. Like. Cristiano Ronaldo was upset about it? No, no, I would never praise that douche, but the other Ronaldo. Oh, Ronaldo. okay, okay. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Although tonight, but we won't get into that. We'll get guess, into our, yeah. our, our normal yeah. football. No, so um, obviously Liverpool play Leicester a few days ago. It's a disappointing draw. Um, I can't remember a time... And this has been tossed around a lot, but I can't, I can't remember a time that Anfield looked as wintry as it did this time around. This was the most noticeable like weather conditions oh, yeah. uh, at a Liverpool home game in in quite some time, um, which seemed like it helped at the beginning. Uh, we kind of benefited a little bit. That ball <laughs> sat down for Sadio for the opener. Um, but then it kind of stopped us playing from, uh, from then on just kind of made things a little more difficult. So coming out of that game, are there any like, I don't know, big issues that you saw or do we just kind of have to say, Hey, Lester's tough at times and we're just going to take the point and kind of move on from there. Yeah. No, I think, what you said at the end kind of sums it up. Like, take the point, move on. It's Leicester, shit conditions. But, but yeah, I mean, there are, I think it's maybe more of a, a, a January narrative with Klopp, I think, in terms of kind of concerns. And I can't remember who it was, but somebody was just like, you know, we dropped X amount of points <laughs> from like uh, August to December. And then January, we drop almost as much. We concede almost as many goals. 
Uh, with that being said, I think it just became really clear to me with this match how important kind of Gomez and Trent were to this kind of defensive unit that we have. Um, and we thought, oh, it's Van Dyke. We'll stick anybody next to him. Um, you know, Mata Lovren's not bad. I think right back's a little bit of a challenge. But, yeah, for, for Leicester, it's just a uh, it, it's always a tough draw with them. And, uh, you know, kind of at, at times the, the weather conditions and everything kind of played into their hands. But, yeah, it, it, it happens. And, of course, it's amplified by the fact that we're – well, we were at the time uh, five points ahead. So, yeah, but it all plays into the overall narrative. Yeah, that's what it it obviously is affected by the fact that going into that game, we have the ability to, you know, grab a bigger lead. Um, but not doing so doesn't really change all that much. If I'm being honest, you know, the difference between five yeah. and seven it it only makes a difference if there's still a gap at the end of the season. So it's not... Yeah. Well, um, and the fact that it's still January, too, and we've got, what, over a dozen games left to play? Yeah. <laughs> so it, <laughs> all of this is just ridiculous because there's so much time left. Like, I was going to say Tottenham could come up and do something, but, you know, they won't because it's Tottenham. But, you know, right. just in general, there's still so much time left that all of this is just... The, the amount that it's amplified is just ridiculous. So the one thing that I think has people a little concerned coming out of that game is the fact that it's the one of the first games of the season, definitely one of the first against a team outside of the top six, where we've been outperformed in terms of our you know expected goals. Um, yeah. And Leicester actually had created the more chances and um by quite a bit actually i think the map i saw was somewhere in the 1.3 xg for leicester with a 0.5 or 0.6 for liverpool so yeah that was extremely low a lot closer on what 11 and 11 in between the posts it was like 11 just over one Mm -hmm. to about 0.9 right on theirs. And that's normally the one that I go with too, but no, I think it, it kind of sums it all up. I don't, I I think the XG is awfully generous to Lester in terms of, you know, where they generated chances from. A lot of that came from some uncertainty, uncertainty at the back, but, but no, like I said, it was, it was a tough match and I, I think we easily could have gotten three points out of that. Um, (laughs) <laughs> had we finished a couple of earlier chances too, but you got to give credit to Lester for saying they, they defended well. And like I said in the tweet, then, you know, with that same hat or same, same hand, uh, use it to give the, the ref, the finger. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, and I mean, while we're speaking about it, there are a couple of, uh, strange d- decisions that go kind of against Liverpool in this, in this case. And it's, starting to become a trend again we kind of thought or it it at least felt (laughs) like the referees were trending back towards being you know more fair i guess uh and in this case we get a ref who's extremely generous to lester (laughs) in the in the same way that some xg models were so um but the the goal itself um 
the goal that we concede, it's one that we haven't seen a whole lot of this season. It's, yeah. It had a very Brendan Rodgers feel to it <laughs> in that that's the type of goal that we would concede to Lester at home, you know, three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't feel like our current our current team's type of goal to concede. Well, and really it was sort of all match with Allison having a couple nervy moments and obviously the conditions played a lot into that. But remember, Van Dyke was a question mark going into the match as to whether or not he was going to be fit. I think he was just ill beforehand. But then we have, you know, Henderson <laughs> slotting in at right back who, you know, what we always say about Henderson, he put in a good shift, but right. that's still not like what you want in there. Um, and Matip as well. So we've got some heavy rotationing happening, happening defensively, and it's just going to come up with issues too. So it was more, what surprised me the most was not necessarily, I think it was maybe Robertson and uh, Matip keeping them off, like uh, keeping Maguire on side. And I said, you know, we would have given Lover a ton of shit for that. But it was just Robertson's, like, stupid foul to set it up mm-hmm. to begin with. It was just, like, this – that whole game, it was just this vibe of, like, this is not the defensive team we've been all season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do. I hope it's just kind of the one-off or maybe kind of the end of that January kind of lull that we might go through. Um, but, yeah, something definitely that, that Klopp needs to address in training. Yeah, we have some evidence from last season to suggest the fact that you know, we some sometimes do come into a little bit of a dip in January in terms of our performances, but then, um, you know, by the time the Champions League knock not knockouts start, uh, we've had you know kind of that uptick and yeah. that um, just that ability to to bounce back to uh, closer to top top form um, as far as we're concerned. But we there are a couple of players that come out of this game like more. With more concern um, than others, and and the main one that's been on everyone's lips for the basically the entire season in terms of just concern about the performances is is Nabi Keita. Um, yeah. So coming out of this game, he now he should be awarded a penalty. Um, like he <laughs> he wins us a penalty that's just not given, uh, but. Uh, his involvement and his kind of link up play in the game is not kind of the standard that everybody was expecting. And we've been saying that kind of a lot across yeah. the whole season. So is it time to start worrying about Nabi Keita or is it just, we need to still have patience with him and, and give him more time to bet in with the team. I think of it like this. If, if, Navi was on United, City, Chelsea. They had signed him. And we looked at probably just in the simplest way at overall goal contribution. We'd be just ridiculing them for, you know, shelling out $50 million on a midfielder that's contributed one assist. So, <laughs> but to put it into perspective, like we know and we saw the start that, that Navi had and how like influential he was in our overall play even without maybe picking up a goal or assist. And it's funny because the assist that he did get was one of those like 
anti or like Simon Brundish hates. Like, yeah. you know, you pass it to somebody and it just becomes a goal. Right. But, but no, I mean, we've seen the quality And my concern now is that there does seem to be just this level of almost hesitation. Um, and I don't know, you know, the gap or the difference between like the Bundesliga, the physicality of it compared to maybe the premier league, but there does seem to be this hesitation from Nabi, like maybe he's not getting the fouls that were called there, or, you know, maybe he's running into more physical defenders. Um, but the fact of it is too, he's also still kind of coming off. I, I can't say coming off injury. I mean, he's logged almost a thousand minutes this season for us. So we've had a pl- pretty good sample size right. of, uh, of time spent with the club, but there is still that after he got injured, it's been this lull that he's had ever since he's come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I think there's something in, in terms of overall formation and all that, that I, that I think we can get to that might, that might help kind of uh, not just with Nabi, but with others get even more out of him. And that was uh, early kind of in his involvement. We saw him in, in the central midfield position um, more traditionally, like where we would have expected him to play coming in. Uh, Since Fabinho's kind of more consistent involvement in the team and uh, Shakiri as well, we've played the four, two, three, one a lot more often. And so Keita, it seems like, has often found himself on the left side of the four-two-three-one, or closer to those areas rather yeah. than in central midfield. Um, and in doing so, the expectation is for him to play, you know, what we would expect Sadio Mane to do on the left side of the of you know that attacking yeah. part of the field, and that's not. You know, when we bought him, no one expected Nabi Keita to be a Sadio Mane replacement. Um, <laughs> yeah. We all expected him to be a central midfielder, you know, and kind of a box-to-box guy. Um, and he, maybe not even box-to-box, like, you know, much more attack-minded um, midfielder, but still not, you know, he's not an out-and-out winger. Yeah. And he's certainly not the kind of roaming playmaker that Sadio Mane yeah. has kind of become. He was, um, I think, for... For Ripple, for the most part, in the he was those like the example of what's not a double pivot, but right. in a double pivot. So like in a midfield like <laughs> two, where there's clearly one player that's more attacking and more forward, he was he was it. Right. Um, but I also think I don't know if it makes that big of a difference, but it was also maybe more so on the right side of the pitch. I think for Red Bull, mm-hmm. where where he usually operated. Yeah. But the problem is like if you're in. I don't know. It's just a. It's just this weird kind of, almost just like middle ground that he's stuck in, where it's part of it too, but then he's also getting pushed out wide. And I, I don't know if that type of balance suits him. I think he needs like if that's where we want him, mm-hmm. then he should be like the third more attacking kind of midfielder, um, in like a four three three. And especially with kind of the way Shakiri's form has been lately, I really like the look of the four two three one when he was playing well and playing direct and it was coming off. Mm-hmm. But now it just seems like it's just kind of we're sacrificing too much in terms of individual play mm-hmm. and the overall play isn't, isn't as good as it could be. I, th- I think it's an interesting conversation as well, because a lot of people, 
after any game where we needed a goal or we looked a little flat in attack, a lot of people will point and say, you know, I can't wait till Ox is back. And in that role where he's carrying the ball through midfield and, and attacking. Yeah. But in the system that we've been playing, that role doesn't exist anymore. Um, yeah. We haven't, we don't, that Ox position where you're the most advanced of a midfield three, we haven't really played that um, for quite some time this season. And when we have played a midfield three, it's been <laughs> for compactness. Not not, right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So um, it's been Milner, Winalda, and Henderson trio. Right. And I, I don't know. I just, I just don't know why. And I keep going back to maybe Klopp's time at Dortmund and, you know, when they were doing so well, he would, he would often go to the four, two, three, one. So I don't know. Earlier when we kind of made that switch, it seemed like, okay, well, we're doing this to support Fabinho or we're mm-hmm. doing this to get uh, Shakiri a stronger role. Um, but now it just seems like we're, we're forcing it and it's not, it's not there with the front three and it's not there with the midfield either. So right. I don't know if we're looking ahead to West Ham, I, I'm hoping that we see a return to four, three, three, especially considering the healthy personnel that we have in the middle in the attack. Cause I think you, just everybody, especially like, you know, Mane's going to do Mane's thing, but Firmino and Salah are better in their more traditional roles. And I think we'll see more out of, of Naby if he gets to be that kind of ox, like driving forward. I don't know why you would put him anywhere else, like right. the success that ox had. And if, if we're being honest about the balance of players within our squad, like Keita was the, like what the runner up in the Bundesliga, like he is like, has the potential to be vastly superior to what ox can provide. So mm-hmm. I don't know why we would kind of put him off in this floating left role right. when it's especially when it's not benefiting anybody else so another player who's played in kind of a floating attacking role is is shakiri who you who you mentioned a little bit ago shakiri's form not dissimilar to keita's uh hit a high at one point and obviously shakiri's involvement in goals and assists has been yeah. a lot higher than Nobby, so I'm not trying to say, you know, I'm not trying to take away from that. Um, but he hit that high, and then s- the last few games, he, I think the one that was most pronounced was probably when he came on against Wolves in the Cup, I think he came on. Yeah. Late. And he. I mean, he might have completed, like, three passes. Um, <laughs> like, he had an extremely rough, like, 25 minutes when he came yeah. on. And uh, he hasn't looked, you know, like the impact kind of sub that we that we had when, um, when he's coming on and scoring two against United <laughs> in the last, yeah. <laughs> in the last 20 minutes. So, I- is... Is Shaq someone to worry about, or is that another case of we're just not defining his role clearly enough in the current system, or does he just need to kind of like sharpen up and and just be better? Yeah, I don't know. I think he, I think he, I don't think it's his typical role, but I think it's a role that 
that does somewhat benefit him in terms of how he's at least played for us in being direct where he can receive the ball and be active the one game notwithstanding but but no we're not we're not going to pay as much attention to Shakiri I don't think because we did bring him in for like what a 12 15 million million pound like yeah. kind of like impact sub but but that's what I was thinking it was bizarre that when we made a shift uh but when we brought Fabinho on like that made such a big tactical difference that it because I was thinking we have all of our heavy attacking players aside from Sturridge really on the pitch right now so what do we do to be more kind of effective um but but it's weird how you could bring on a defensive midfielder and and and, <laughs> and get that from that situation but right. but no I think for Shakiri I think he's still better off when he was in form, yeah, you put him in there because he was a difference maker. But I think he still could be, with our front three healthy and no rotation kind of needed, like he could be that impact player coming off. Um, and, and and right now, so I'm hoping that like like he could we could shift the formation if he comes on. Um, but right now, no, I'm hoping we we kind of look at what we could do with a four three three. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's obviously not time to like hit the panic button or anything like that. Um, things are things are still going extremely well by, especially by recent Liverpool standards, we're <laughs> we're flying. Um, but the um, and the other upside is that you know uh, our direct rivals, despite the fact that they beat Arsenal earlier today, pretty easily as well. Um, they. Uh, our direct rivals have, you know, drop points against teams that that we've handled fairly easily so far. Yeah. Um, but I, I do worry at times that, you know, if we are a little too stubborn with the system or we're um, not getting the best performances, like, out of, out of every player, then I do worry that there's a little bit of, you know, a draw here, a draw there turns into now we haven't picked up, you know, nearly enough points and, and, and yeah. things are starting to slip away. Um, well, back into that, there's still so much time left right. that there are going to be some more draws here. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's realistic to think that either Liverpool or city could just go undefeated the rest of the season. And that's, that's the way people are talking like both sides, probably like if there was one side that you would pick to say like, who's going to, like go undefeated the remainder of the season, nine people out of 10 would probably say city like, right. but both club, both clubs are going to drop points throughout it. If you know, if, if normal kind of performances go. So, yeah. Um, so we have West Ham next. And if, if the premier league handed out awards for most improved from the first game of the season to the end, um, <laughs> West Ham would certainly be in the running as uh, they looked completely off the pace and while still kind of comfortably, comfortably mid-table right now, um, they look a completely different team than the one we faced on the opening day. So, in terms of a, a good team to play right after you yeah. you know, kind of suffer a little bit of a, a dip and need to, need to bounce back with a, with a nice result. Yeah, when I look at West Ham squad, I think it's it's almost like it's like FIFA 14 
and they've built this <laughs> they've built a lot of squad members based on like <laughs> who would have been good <laughs> at that time with with the Nazarees, the Wilshires, not Andy Carroll, but maybe he, you know, <laughs> Zabaleta. <laughs> he would get better the Zabaleta. Like I it, there is there's that <clears throat> I think there's still like that level of complete complacency that exists within the West Ham squad. So I do mm-hmm. think you're right. That that's key where, you know, we scored an early, early goal against Leicester, but Leicester kind of dug in, they bounced back. I, I, I feel like West Ham almost has that kind of capitulation streak in them yeah. to where you get a couple and then it's just like a, a few more after that too. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I, I hope, I hope the guys respond, but yeah, I think it's, it, it's not exactly a nervy matchup. I think it's just, just all of LFC Twitter is currently nervy right? for, you know, that's, that's just what they do. So, yeah. And I mean, I think everyone is, is eagerly awaiting kind of the news, like you kind of hit or, you know, like you talked about earlier, just, you know, is Trent going to be back and he's been yeah. training for a little bit now. So, you know, if Trent is back in, I think that does a little bit to settle, to settle everybody down yeah. as well. And just anytime you're playing with any type of, you know, makeshift or, trying to fit somebody into a into a certain position it just just gives you an extra level of uneasiness about how things are going to proceed because it's like yo how bad this this, could this potentially get when anderson usually lines up on the left for them doesn't he yeah if i'm thinking yeah so that could be you know potential i I was nervous (laughs) about people running at hendo right I don't. I, I don't know how much it happened at at Leicester because I don't know the counterattacks. <coughs> sorry, the counterattacks were I don't know, just kind of like flashes, and then they were gone. But yeah. but yeah, that's it, it's still a that that makes me feel a little a little uneasy, a little weak in the knees. So um, with with the West Ham match tomorrow, yeah, Liverpool get a chance to to kind of write any type of uh, uneasiness in the fan base. And, you know, if there is any kind of nervousness in the players, this is a chance for them to kind of kind of work through that. And if they can do a professional job against West Ham, they can restore, you know, the five-point lead. And, and uh, you know, normal service for this season at least is resumed. <laughs> yeah. um, the, uh, the players that also have a chance to kind of redeem themselves now – in this January window, uh, as it's as it's come to a close, uh, are uh, there are a few players that have made moves around Europe that have kind of you know that have have LFC linkages, and uh, none more tenuous than that link between Lazar Markovic oh, Lord. and Liverpool. Uh, Fulham's newest Fulham's newest signing. Um, transferring uh for the rest of the season down to down to London um and uh Craven Cottage uh do you think there's any chance that Markovic contributes in a meaningful way to Fulham the rest of the season uh we play Fulham one more time don't we yeah yeah so that's that's the only contribution that (laughs) Markovic is physically capable of I know we're supposed to be a great fan base. I felt like a shit fan where I saw Markovic was like posted on Twitter 
it, you know, oh, I was so happy to be a part of this like great club with, you know, this, this legacy for so many years. And in true, you'll never walk alone fashion. I was just, just fuck off. Just, just go. (laughs) Don't tweet about it. Just, just go. Like, I don't have any hard feelings, but (laughs) maybe I'm just still bitter about the, the, the lack of potential fulfilled, but I, I don't, I don't even know if I want to say good for him. Like, I don't know. Like what, (laughs) will he play? Like, is he capable of contributing? I, I can't really see it unless unless it's against us. I uh, I want to find um, I want to go ahead and play a quick uh, play a quick clip of uh, Lazar Markovic's highlights at at Liverpool <laughs> in honor of his uh, in honor of his time there. Nope, that's not it. My bad. <laughs> I mean, it is. I just, I really want English um, for this highlight. If uh, I feel like it might have been better with whatever language that was. I think was it was that Ara- Italian. I think it was Arabic. Oh, shows how much I know. Okay, well, that doesn't do me any good. And that's it. <laughs> so that was his. That was <laughs> No, uh, I, I was actually looking for the, the commentary of his, his volley earlier in that game against Sunderland, which uh, I'm convinced if, if that volley, the flying scissor kick, like volley, <laughs> if that goes in, then it hit the, po- or it hit the crossbar. Yeah. I really think that you know, alternate timelines split from that moment where you know, one flies in and he has like a very successful Liverpool career. <laughs> He's still in the starting lineup, you know. No he one's ever trains. No he one's ever heard well. of Mo Salah, you know. Like that's, <laughs> it's just like completely changes the course of history. Uh, but uh, instead, we're yeah. Instead, we're stuck with you know lazy Markovic, who <laughs> reportedly <laughs> just like doesn't run, doesn't do anything. Um, so he'll go down to Fulham. He'll join also, you know, former Liverpool man Ryan Babel. Um, uh, in, That's in just Fulham. asking for it. In just Fulham. asking for it. <laughs> There's so much narrative the next time that we had to uh, <laughs> that we had to Fulham. It's almost reaching Crystal Palace levels of of narrative with oh, uh, yeah. with Benteke and uh, and Sako down there. So, um, yeah, I mean the Markovic transfer. I, it, it's it's really quite incredible that we've finally gotten him off off the books. Yeah, permanent transfer, right? Like he is – we is. are no longer paying his salaries, but God bless Dan Kennett. <laughs> As everybody was cheering Markovic, he's like – he was only on like 30K a week. Like we've got <laughs> – we've got like Lalana and others on like 120, 130, and, you know, they're <laughs> they're on the wrong side of the hill. But now, yeah, like just – yeah, just Just, just let go. us enjoy the other, this, Dan, you know? <laughs> No, I, on the other hand, though, we have another Liverpool player yeah. 
who I was sad to see go. Yes. As we all know, an old Natty Klein. <laughs> I should have had the that clip queued up as well. I should just have that saved as a soundbite. Like, like as that guy's like creepily yeah. nodding and like rubbing his palms together or doing something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What does he say? This was a big. This was a big one. So you know, I had to bring my boy, <laughs> international soccer superstar Nathaniel Kleine. Is he? Do you think he's really his boy? And like, that's what he just calls him. Like, maybe he just calls him Kleine. Like, I say Natty Klein. Right. Maybe he just calls him Nathaniel Kleine. Yeah, like, but if I'm maybe he actually knows him. If I'm introducing my friend to somebody i don't call them by their nickname like if i haven't said their real name <laughs> you I, know what I mean? like if i'm not, saying like this is who he is and then this they, is not literature right. this is what's the name is it like love and hip-hop or something like yeah. that like this is not <laughs> but they there's couldn't no even formal ask, grammatical approach to how we're introducing people no, they for couldn't the even time. ask him how how his name is said and then they just throw him out there and then they he gets punked down immediately well, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I'm thinking he – at first I was like, "What, like, Klein, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing out there? Like, you just – you let this entire, like, production make a fool out of you. But now, now I'm starting to flip and think that maybe – who was it? It wasn't Ray J. Who was on there? Um, I don't know. Was it Jason Derulo? No. Uh, anyway, whoever it was, maybe he actually knows Nathaniel Klein and he just, like – Lovingly, a term of endearment called him Dan Kleine, and then humiliated him on television. So, <laughs> in case you haven't seen the clip, yeah, we just kind of summed it all up for you. You need to watch it, and I mean, if you need to just hear audio of it, you can dig through our back catalog. It's in an episode this season <laughs> for sure. Um, but the uh, so the Klein move, I want to pose a question this way because obviously, like. We we have always rated Klein very yeah. highly. So, I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, it's a moot point to say, like, you know, did you want to see Klein leave? Because, of course, of course not. Um, yeah. But uh, I guess the the question here is that as soon as he left and then the injuries to, you know, uh, you know, Joe Gomez suffers like a setback with his injury and, you know, Trent, Trent's hurt. And now all of a sudden we're left, you know, with, without a real right back option, there was a total meltdown of in certain sectors (laughs) of, of Liverpool Twitter of like, see, this is why, like we, we shouldn't have loaned Klein. And like, are you, are you on board with, kind of the, you know, like, why did this move happen? Or, or, I mean, does it, do you trust, I guess, like the logic behind, you know, that there was thought behind it, not just, not just a thoughtless kind of lone move that some people are, (laughs) some people are painting it to be. I'm stuck in the middle. Uh, To me, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, Klein, unless something else was going on, like, there's never been any indication that that it would be an issue of Klein. like Klein hasn't been starting like so why now in this moment does he need like does he need to go 
And even if he asks them, then say like, no, like play out the rest of the season. Let us find a, an alternative for you. Right. So I, I don't know what the thought process was, but I'm still looking like scrolling through LFC Twitter. Like anybody complaining about that now were ones that probably said like Klein needs to fuck off or, you know, Klein yeah. needs to go. <laughs> like he's that list of like the Kleins, the Hendos, yeah. the, you know, of people that shouldn't be at the club right now. And right. so it's just like you didn't give a shit about him whenever you knew that he could contribute. But it's just painful right now because that – I mean that's a big like gap that we have in our defense that hopefully doesn't get exposed too bad. Like Lester – I don't know. There wasn't really a moment where he could fault Hendo for, for anything. But like we said earlier, like that's not the way moving forward. So I, I don't know. I'm still left scratching my head. But, but uh, again, I think it – might be Dan or, or, or Cy that always said, like, we don't know, like, what else is happening yeah. in the background, you know? So right. all we know is that we're light it, <laughs> we're light it right back and we <laughs> just sent one to Boardmouth. So, yeah. No, I think, and I think that, I think the player um, in this case had a lot of, um, a lot to do with the move. Like, I, I really, I really think that, that Klein was crying out to, to play. At yeah. the time that, at the time that they sanctioned the move, yeah, we weren't super deep at right back, but it also wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a crisis, and then suddenly it is, and that, and that's yeah. just kind of the way the way it goes sometimes. Um, I am, I'm, I'm pleased to see that he's played, you know, extremely well <laughs> for Bournemouth. I think um, he uh, so. You know, just from a personal standpoint, because I mean, we were we had a podcast episode last season where uh, right after the Manchester United game where Trent, you know, Trent had a really rough game. We had a discussion (laughs) about we had a discussion about like, should Klein come in for the city, the city tie in the Champions League? Because like, you know, if Rashford did that to Trent, you know, think about what Sané could do. Yeah. And then. Yeah, we all know what actually happened, um, and that's why you know we're just podcasters and not you know professional <laughs> managers. But um, you're right; it goes back into also having a layer of of trust in Klopp and the staff yeah. making that decision to let him go. Right, and so so there is yeah. It, I think there's I think it's fine to have a healthy a healthy bit of of you know kind of critic critical thought about this um in that you know it does seem like it's extremely poorly timed um but at the end of the day we we don't know the the conversations that were going on between uh between Klein and and the management team um and I think the one that actually in terms of in terms of shock for me um the second deal to Bournemouth in the transfer window, basically at the same time, was yeah. the permanence the permanent sale of of Dominic Solanke for nineteen million pounds to to Bournemouth, and that one caught me far more off guard than the Klein loan, um, in terms of it being permanent. The yeah. Solanke being loaned would not have shocked me one bit. Solanke being sold in January was, was pretty, that kind of, that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I I was not expecting that. 
Yeah, I don't. Maybe it was part of. I don't know the client deal, or maybe. Yeah, I had. I have absolutely <laughs> no idea. But it was, for Solanke to go, that that one screamed to me like loan. But then again, he's not. He hasn't been fit or healthy too. So right. yeah, I don't know unless they already see like who we currently have, maybe they have eyes on somebody else to bring in. Mm -hmm. Um, but also within the youth and, and all the kind of young talent that we have too, that maybe they just said that, you know, Solanke is not going to fit in. Let's, you know, quintuple our money that we paid for him and, and take this offer. Yeah. I think, I think it says, I think the person it says the most about honestly is, is, uh, Rian Brewster. Yeah. Um, more than anything, because uh, with him returning from injury, I mean, I don't know if you saw, but Brewster's got a got a Bezzy's episode with with Ox. Um, I didn't see that one. Oh, you, I saw yeah. Ox and Sturridge on Joe, which was a <laughs> so thinly veiled like Madden plug, <laughs> which kind of upset me. But <laughs> so they have. Yeah, they had that, but no, uh, yeah, they had a Bezzy's episode, which was, uh, which was Ox and Brewster. So Brewster's, you know, right up there in the, uh, in the first team. Cause what, you know, the Bezzy's episodes that have happened so far have been, oh, uh, yeah. Hendo and Trent, Firmino, <laughs> Firmino and, and uh, Allison, Al- Van yeah. Dyke and Gomez, and now Ox and, uh, Ox and Brewster. So he's like, He's it's like the amongst... injured injury list edition. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, uh, so I think I think it does speak to what Klopp sees in Brewster. Um, I think it also. I think we also knew, and and I think we're going to struggle with this for a while, as in the system that we currently have. Especially, you know, our front three has, is locked down to everybody's locked down to five year contracts, which is amazing. Yeah, um, but in terms of keeping young players happy, um, if I'm 21, uh, you know, I'm Dominic Solanke. I'm 21. I am. I do not play <laughs> as a 10. Yeah. I don't play. <laughs> I don't. I'm not Mo Salah. You know, I I'm never gonna start in a nine unless it's a cup game or like we're yeah. dead in the like rotation of you know like deep, deep in the season. Um, yeah. I'm just never starting ahead of, ahead of the, the other players we have. And that's what, so for him to, to, I would not be shocked if, if that was another, like his agent kind of started floating some stuff. And then when the, when the deal comes up, it's like, well, I could go be the number nine, you know, for, yeah. for a, a mid table team. Um, and which is about where he is too, right? Like yeah. that's like he he showed some great glimpses, but maybe no end product right. that that we saw. So yeah, it, uh, I just think it's funny that kind of all happened after Origi. <laughs> so maybe they saw that okay, Origi's back up now in terms of the depth chart. Yeah, Solanke, you. Fifth choice. Um, so uh, a striker that's moved, you know, all around the divisions and he's been at Liverpool and in the past and he's, I mean, he's basically played for every team in England. It feels like, um, 
in in the uh, Premier League and the Championship <laughs> combined. Um, <laughs> but Peter Crouch uh, moves from Stoke in the Championship to Burnley. Some uh, some emergency reinforcements for uh, for Sean Dyche's team, and it has a thoroughly kind of English feel about it. Obviously, Crouch is English, but the tall target man kind of center forward uh, just has a real classic, you know, kind of Brexity feel to it. <laughs> <laughs> is that like a, a a dig on Sean Dyche yeah. a little bit or maybe yeah. just Brent in general? Yeah, yeah, Dyche I, for sure. I like that you put <laughs> put Crouch so high up on this transfer list in terms of importance. Yeah. <laughs> but what I loved about it is I think in um, in in or around Burnley, they said just a little, it looked like they printed it out just with a home home printer that just said like, welcome Crouchy. And it said like, watch your head or something like that. <laughs> but it was on like a 50 foot overpass. So I, I got a kick out of the, uh, the time that one person definitely, probably at least two to three hours of their day into putting or put into that that sign making and hanging um, <laughs> did you, but yeah for for journeymen just one more one more spot on the list one more notch on the belt did you see the announcement no no the, <laughs> like, so we need to talk about like I, I feel like we should have bookended our transfer discussion by saying like we have not known that these transfer did ha- have happened or like we forgot about them the second after they happened. Yeah, and Crouch's was definitely <laughs> the fact that he's just behind the Liverpool players and leading off the non-LS or I guess he's former LC, but the non-LC players is kind of telling of this transfer window. Yeah. So but what was the they the, they put like a little toy robot like <laughs> at the doors of like Turf Moor or whatever, like the club offices and everything. And uh, they, like, let in the robot and, like, they show (laughs) the robot because Crouch did the robot, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Get it? So Peter Crouch, Burnley player. Yeah. Did he – did any money change hands? Because that's what I'm just getting excited about, that people are paying – actual hard currency <laughs> for some of these players. I don't believe so. I think it uh, No, there's no way. I don't know, like But then know, like, again, know. maybe. Wait. Did he score? No. Okay. Thank no. God. <laughs> Cuz I was like, how did I miss that? Um narratives i want to talk about the fact that he wrote his first memoir about himself in 2007 that's 12 years ago what did he, he have to still write playing <laughs> <laughs> they had the what in the super bowl today the what the 17 year gap or the difference between yeah like Brady and others yeah i guess they could have had one with them <laughs> <laughs> with crouching but um i actually do want to just highlight this because uh, this is his club history is fantastic i was just looking up to make sure that no it was it was a free from stoke oh. um 
but his club history is wild. Like he came up through <laughs> Tottenham's youth academy. Spur goes from Spurs. He has a few loans, one of which was in Sweden. And then he gets sold for £85,000 to QPR. I'm picturing Peter Crouch as a young, gangly, awkward (laughs) football player. Yeah. Much like myself, who thought, where can I go on loan? Where will I be accepted? And he thought, like, Scandinavia. They're all (laughs) tall and thin up there. So he went to Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it goes to QPR, then he goes from QPR to Portsmouth, Portsmouth to Villa, Villa to Norwich on loan, then Villa to Southampton when he's actually sold, then he gets bought by Liverpool for ten and a half mil. Mm. He was bought by Southampton for three and sold to Liverpool for ten and a half. Uh spent three seasons at Liverpool and then we sold him to Portsmouth for nine and a half. Sold the Spurs for ten, sold the Stoke <laughs> for ten, and then Burnley on a free. Oh. All over the place. I, I wonder if his total accumulated transfer values have matched one of Paulinho's. <laughs> Not quite, I don't think. Or well, close. Maybe maybe it's around there. It's yeah. close. Um so the arguably the biggest transfer of the window is is Gonzalo Higuain moving moving to Chelsea to play the Morata role. Um and uh so first off like when you what do you think of Gonzalo Higuain like just in general? Like what's like what comes to mind when you think of Higuain? I will answer your question with my own question. Okay. Who do you think has more longevity in the Premier League? Gonzalo Higuain or Peter Crouch? <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to be there in two or three years? Uh, that is a tougher question than it Five should be. Five on Crouch. Higuain, <laughs> I, I don't, what, I, Higuain is so, like, bizarre because he's clearly, like, uh, like can be a top striker. Yeah. But... But then you also like even when he was even when he was at his peak, he was miserable for Argentina. So there's always that like lingering layer of doubt in terms of like his quality and what he's going to bring. To me, it just seems so bizarre. Like if I was going to say like if you have Morata, and if there's any other striker in the world that could come in and be simultaneously both a, as good of a player as he might be and as bad as he is on the pitch, <laughs> it could probably be Gonzalo Higuain. Yeah. That being said, I think he grabbed, he grabbed two in his match, but, but no, I don't know. Chelsea have been so poor finishing, Yeah. but I, I don't, they've had other issues kind of come to the surface recently too. So right. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, Iguain, obviously he, to me, when I line up, you know, Chelsea Chelsea strikers of the last, I would say, I don't even want to say years, but like the last few classes of Chelsea strikers, yeah. it was, you know, Costa and then uh, 
or, you know, I guess before Costa was, you know, Drogba, then Torres, then Costa, yeah. then, uh, then, um, well, now, you know, Murata, Giroud, whatever, like, hybrid thing that they want to do. So, and you bring in Iguain. So, Costa was the last one who was effectively scoring for Chelsea at any point. But even in his second season at Chelsea, he completely kind of dropped off you know, yeah. in terms of goal scoring. And he's very much a poacher, like, you know, he's not <laughs> he's not beating one beating anyone with, you know, skill or taking like good touches in the box. Like he's purely <laughs> a finisher. Like that's his whole yeah. game. Um same can be said, you know, for Murata. Like he's he's not a particularly like skilled dribbler. He's not like that good on the ball. He's not a good passer at all. You all he can do kind of did it not good. Yeah. And then, <laughs> well, yeah. And then, uh, and then Giroud, I mean, he's like a classic number nine, basically. Yeah. Kind of in the same mold. So a lot of these, a lot of these guys, when they're like talking about how, you know, uh, you know, Murata's not finishing, but you know, no one, None of them had been, and and none of them had been playing particularly well, um, for different managers and different systems and and all you know. So yeah. at some point, like, do you just have to go out and find a different type of player, um, to to fit the mold? And they go out and they get the like classic poacher who to me is the same type of striker. Like he is a better, you know, he's a better version probably than those guys that I just named, but like he's that type of player. So to me, you're not really changing anything. It's like changing the, you know, it's like painting my civic, a different color doesn't make it like not a civic, you know, that's what you still know what you're driving. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's what to me, I just, I just don't get how he might score some goals for him. And like, he'll definitely score goals against the bad teams because that's what he's been doing for in Italy for years. And I completely forgot he was even on AC Milan. (laughs) Like that's, (laughs) I'm sure has a lot of value. I was going to say for Juve, like, Yeah, like they just kind of ditched them to make room for some other players. And they were like after like great form for them, too. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like he's got goals in him, but so have all these other strikers that they've had, too. So whether it's a curse or maybe just as, as we went through goalkeeper after goalkeeper that were struggling, Chelsea's going through kind of a similar approach, but on the opposite end of the pitch. Yeah. So their other their other attempt to get some help at at the the goal scoring end um, for next season was bringing in American wonder kid Christian Pulisic <laughs> from Dortmund. Um, we didn't talk about this. We talked about the prospect of him going to Chelsea a little bit when yeah. we were on the uh, the bro on with the bros talking soccer. Um, but now that now that this move is becoming real, um, does it? I mean, does it do anything for you? Like, is there anything? Does it even like hit your radar? I got, I got triggered a little bit whenever the <laughs> NBC Sports whenever the NBC Sports thing popped up, 
and I know we're just going to be seeing more and more of that once the move kind of becomes like fully official and he transfers over and starts playing. But, but no, <laughs> I was just so happy that I think we found out about it at the same time that Sari did. So <laughs> that, <laughs> that will always be something in my back pocket that I'll use against Chelsea supporters. Yeah. Um, it, it only really upset me because we had a couple of uh, the local El Paso um, supporters, uh, guys from the, the locomotive group or, or guys from AO who hadn't gotten into the Premier League really and oh, were yeah. literally like just men's national team supporters. They, like that morning that it was announced, they're like, well, I'm a Chelsea fan now. And like that really, <laughs> really grinded deal. my gears. Um, <laughs> but only because they don't know, you know, like we yeah. know all of this stuff about Chelsea as a club and Chelsea as a, like the fan base. I mean, they're shit. Yeah. They, it's the worst. I mean, well, not the worst. We'll get there, but like it's <laughs> <laughs> one of the worst in terms of fan bases. And then just like, I mean, they idolize terrible people. John Terry is just like the worst human being around, and he's their hero. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it tells you most of what you need to know about about the the rest of the fan base and the people that they idolize. But the uh, but yeah, so just the the fact that people are like, oh, like Chelsea, you know, he's moving to a big big club. Like, gotta love it. You know, I'm gonna gonna follow this this team now it's just like you just don't know you know you you don't know what i like i've seen some i've seen some stuff but they're i don't know they're so far and that's that's what i i hated about it because i knew this crop of like i don't know i say it with disdain but you know we we all love twitter but like social media driven like fandom is like their narrative and everything that's going on. So they're removed from the, like the history and, and how, how, how terrible, (laughs) just like you said, how terrible things have been. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, Chris, Chris is all, you know, cause we're cool like that. Um, Chris, uh, moving to Chelsea is, I, I, I don't love to see it cause I, I do want to see him do well. And, um, but I had an easy enough time rooting against him when Liverpool played Dortmund in a friendly this summer. <laughs> and when he scored, I got upset. So I know there's going to be no issue. Um, when he, when he, uh, turns out for Chelsea, you know, next season, I, I will, I'll have no problem um, putting him into the uh, into the hated kind of the hated basket um, until the uh, the international break hits, and then I can you know lift my my uh, I don't know my hate on him. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it is a balance where I don't know. You want for for him to have the impact that kind of domestically we hope he has on the international game that he he needs he needs to perform well so how can you simultaneously root for a player that every time he does something good is benefiting a club that you despise so 
it'll be it'll be an interesting balancing act. So hopefully, just nothing but goals and assists in losses or drops. <laughs> Chelsea. Yeah, um, I mean, it also it also is is helping that I every day become more and more apathetic about the men's national team. So um, so you know there may come a point in time in the near future where I just don't care <laughs> if yeah. he's good or not. <laughs> uh, so uh, another, another player with a, a tenuous, tenuous link to Liverpool, if just a, I don't know, slightly like malicious one <laughs> in the way that his career, his career went down. Uh, Mario Balotelli gets his move from Nice to Marseille and uh, scores on his debut. Good for Balo. Like he, looking at this list now and just seeing him and Markovic as our, as our post Suarez hope, as Liverpool fans is just super depressing. But no, yeah, like I saw on Twitter, like Marseille put their like little cool graffiti dudes running around doing, whatever you call that, running around jumping off buildings thing. Oh, um, parkour. Yes. <laughs> and then it was like an announcing Balotelli. So literally the exact opposite of the Crouch style announcement. Um, <laughs> like actually trying to be cool or? Actually trying to be cool. And on the other hand, like knowingly doing something like kind of dorky and actually funding a like marketing media announcement as opposed to like putting a robot somewhere. Right. I, uh, <laughs> I, now that you put Balotelli and Markovic together, it did remind me of one more, of one more highlight, uh, that includes, that oh, includes no. the two of them, which is a, uh, a game against Tottenham in 2015, November, or sorry, February, February. Does that make sense? February 2015? Yeah, I think so. That makes sense. Slid, but here's Markovic. Still, he's just towing the line. Markovic, left foot in! Oh, what a goal! Beautiful finish! Lazar Markovic sinks to his knees in front of the cop. Wonderfully worked. Lloris couldn't keep this one out. 14 minutes on the clock at Anfield. A huge game with Champions League implications. The Reds hit the front. Liverpool won. Champions League implications 2015. Uh, LOL. Anyways, um, so the game goes on. Things are happening. And then... It's 2-2. Two, two now Lallana. Late Ivan in the game. Ivan is right-hand side. Lallana's still available, just inside the penalty area. Adam Lallana, here he is. Cross comes out! Brendan Rodgers, Balotelli has done it, Liverpool 3, Tottenham 2. <laughs> Balotelli has done it. Rodgers, Markovic, <laughs> Balotelli, Lalana. <Lilana. laughs> like, we, we've made a lot of progress. Yeah, <laughs> things aren't so bad right now. Although, I will say when Lalana came on uh, against Leicester, um, that was a uh, that hurt a little bit. That That's was, especially pulling pulling Nabby off. Nah. Yeah, 
when he should have had a penalty right before. But God. Um, so our we always we normally close out with our with our heroes and our villains. Um, so our villains today, we we've we've unfortunately had to talk about like real <laughs> our real life villains or our true villains, I think, as we call them. Um, <laughs> but today we had to deal with, I don't know if you can even call them true villains, like plastic villains. I don't, I don't really know. Um, yeah, not as real as the crouch robot. Yeah. <laughs> we had to, we, we had to deal with, uh, it was a response to LFC San Diego, the, the official supporters, the official supporters group, um, in San Diego, uh, and they were basically tweeting about uh, the the fact that you know Liverpool and Tottenham are you know the two teams near the top of the Premier League that are challenging for titles or you know challenging for the Champions League at least um, with kind of a sustainable approach in terms of the finances and, you know, money's not being pumped into the club by, you know, external investors yeah. and, and all that stuff. Um, and the San Diego Manchester city supporters group, uh, did not, did not appreciate the implication, uh, from that tweet. <laughs> and they responded in the strongest way that they knew how, um, which why they went straight for this i'm not i'm not really sure um but do you do you have the the offending tweet or uh got it in <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> a couple so there's the the real issue that starts out where you and murderous fan base are the lowest common denominator in world football Stop the hypocrisy because Klopp spent damn near 500 million to challenge City and Liverpool is still trophyless. So the layers of issues I have is one, just if there's one type of like common thing that exists amongst most clubs Mm -hmm. is that you don't use tragedy as leverage in a bullshit like Twitter argument. Right. Like. No, nobody does that. Whether it's Hazel, whether it, or whether it's um, Hillsborough or Munich, anything mm-hmm. like that. Like everybody, like bashes that anytime it happens. So, anytime I see that come up, it's either from just a piece of shit or somebody that doesn't know any better. Right. Like in judging by this tweet, I'm saying it's the latter because they're just spewing like. Klopp spent 500 million, mate. Like, <laughs> no, like you got that from some bullshit city account. Right. We're not even taking into account like net spend anything. You just blatantly made up a number or stole it from somebody else. The third piece of it is the part where he says we're the lowest common denominator. It, it's kind of like, I don't think that means what you think it means. <laughs> like, that, that's not really like, that much of an insult like maybe it could be used like that but it's just like a way of simplifying things like that like when i read that i'm like 
what? <laughs> and he, he went with it twice too, which right. means he's probably done it before. Yeah. Now listen, I don't know. Maybe there are some some douchey fans that they've come across that might have been wearing Liverpool kits. I don't mm-hmm. know. Rarely do we ever see that from Liverpool. What doesn't matter what city, what country we're in. Yeah. But just overall, just any time that you lead in heavily with the murderers, victims, anything like that, you're either a dick or you don't know enough and you're still probably a dick. Yeah. Yeah, there's a and I think it's I think it's strange because it is fed so much by um these kind of ridiculous songs and uh narratives and and kind of stereotypes that come out of the matches themselves um that yeah. only a small percentage of people are attending those so it you know if i'm watching on tv and i think you know anyone can like hit us up or whatever at you know at two red gringos and let me know if i'm full of shit but like it takes quite a bit of concentration and me having my TV turned up like fairly loud if I'm trying to figure out what's actually being sung at yeah. a ground. Like yeah. a lot of Liverpool songs I know, you know, by ear. Yeah. Because uh, I know the tune or whatever. But these other songs that like I'm not accustomed to because I'm not in the ground every weekend, like. Mm-hmm. Those type of songs that, uh, you know, uh, fans who are in, who are, you know, in and around the stadiums on, on match day, like they know these songs because they get sung, you know, at or about Liverpool fans, uh, from time to time, but stuff like, uh, feed the scousers, always the victims, like all, all those kind of, all those kind of things that get sung, um, that for whatever reason, I don't know, I don't know why, but that has started like, the songs that made it to me as a Liverpool supporter in the States were, you know, Luis Garcia and yeah. like the <laughs> and like the Torres song and like yeah. the the good ones, you know, like the ones about us, like about the team that are positive about the players and, and like, you know, Fields of Anfield Road and all that stuff. So I don't understand why now the almost the opposite is true where these fan bases now like try to latch on to the to the song that is the most like vile or or like yeah shitty just to like either egg on other fan bases get a rise out of people like i don't know what the motivation is but it's it's definitely not to support their own team i mean and even now, City's fans who are in the ground, the song they sing most of all <laughs> is a parody of Ale 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 that's about <laughs> us. <laughs> and it's Make just it to a final that we knock them out of. It's <laughs> just it's just so bizarre. And like the it kind of encapsulates a lot of the what we were talking about earlier today kind of off, uh, uh, you know, in the, in the WhatsApp is the, uh, the, why neutral fans are latching on to the, this idea that like, if Liverpool win the title, it's the worst thing that's ever occurred. Um, and rather than reacting to it in a way 
you know, in a kind of the positive spin, which is like, you know, trying to spur your team on to like take us down um, or like stop our challenge or whatever. It's all negative. Like all of the energy is extremely just like anti Liverpool. Um, Like, you know, like we're the manifestation, you know, Liverpool fans are the manifestation of, of evil on earth somehow. Um, <laughs> which when I just don't love like city right. that we're directly at odds with that are <laughs> probably as, as literal as you can get as the worst thing in the world yeah. <laughs> in terms of what they're kind of doing to the sport like and blatantly cheating and to like human beings in, <laughs> in the country that they, <laughs> Like, you know, Fenway Sports Fenway Sports Group spends money on baseball and football. Uh, the <laughs> city football group spends money on exploiting oil workers. Like that's. <laughs> I, I pulled back on this tweet. It was after Arsenal put out the, I don't know, whatever it was, uh, like uh, the. New Year's or whatever, where mm-hmm. they're all dressed up in their typical, like, Asian or Chinese garb or whatever. Oh, yeah. And my, my tweet was going to be, the city, like, have the cultural atrocities, like, market cornered. So Arsenal is going with cultural appropriation. <laughs> but I pulled back on the atrocities to just focus on the appropriation. Right. But, but yeah, like this, <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. My, I, I, I'm, I'm 100% convinced that the only reason people would ever pull for City or cheer for them against a club like Liverpool is because there just aren't City supporters. Right. You, like that's, that's the painful part. Like when you're next to people, especially I, I, I imagine it's like tenfold um, in England, but to have like the, the, the banter, the mm-hmm. rivals, like you're your friends, like kind of egg you on. Right. City doesn't have that. Right. <laughs> like, they, they just don't. Right. Or they don't have it to the level that Liverpool, Arsenal, United, even to an extent Chelsea will right. have too. So that's why like people will root for them because they know that nobody's going to throw it back in their face. Yeah. And, and that is, uh, I think, I think, uh, that does, you know, it does affect, especially on a on a match day or whatever. You know, in El Paso, the the biggest the biggest match day in terms of you know nerves of this will directly affect my life is against Arsenal. Like that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you know, like I'm gonna see I'm gonna see these people and they're gonna be able to give me shit about about the the match. Uh, so. Yeah, I can I can definitely see and I and I do think that that plays a part. And I think it plays a part in city fans reaction as well because they want to be taken you know. Yeah. <laughs> I always picture the uh arrested development where Job is standing in front of the uh <laughs> what is it the the uh alliance of of magic or whatever of magicians <laughs> holding the sign <laughs> we demand to be taken seriously. <laughs> And that's, and that's city fans. That's they just city. like, that they, they demand to be taken seriously. And it's just the way they're going about it though, is, is so, is so backwards. Um, because, you know, if it was that they're playing, you know, they're just playing like gorgeous, gorgeous stuff on the field and, you know, they have like class owners and 
the fans are just enjoying the ride, then it, yeah. it's one thing. But the fact that they're trying to, in, you know, in their pursuit of, of this ruthless, like, win it at all costs, literally, um, type type approach to football, uh, you know, taking all of the kind of romance history, whatever, they're, you know, just gutting the game of any of any uh of any feeling or or uh or history um the way they go about it is so negative and the fan the fan base kind of reflects that um so i guess you reap what you sow and uh that's that's ultimately what uh what the villains yeah and that is that is the villain so moving on and and just wrapping up with our with our heroes uh once again, <laughs> you had you found a tweet that that I mean this isn't us revealing new heroes this week this week uh, it is this is purely us celebrating celebrating those who have already been celebrated but the you found a tweet that that put us in a in a very uh, kind of interesting situation that uh, it immediately worked out just as we we couldn't have planned it any better. Uh, than how it actually worked out with the uh, are we leading with the usual heroes or with the other one the usual the usual heroes yeah. yeah so it was i don't know who did it on 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 the timeline that popped up mm-hmm. but it said it was like quote this and the third person like that pops up and your ats are like your president my president is at and i looked number one i mean i, I think you're like your own Twitter handle pops up first. Yes. Second is second was the two red Ringos. Right. Third was our two red Ringos Hall of Famer Babu, yeah, who popped up. So I said my president is is Babu, <laughs> um, and it started a little political debate on the timeline. Yeah, it sure did. Um, so upon seeing that, I I did it as well because I was like, well, you know, I. I talked to Babu quite a bit, but you know, maybe maybe there's a disparity. Maybe I've talked to somebody else, you know, yeah. more. I'll see, I'll see who see who my president is. And so, <laughs> turns out, number three for me was also was also Babu. <laughs> so the election the election was decided early because um, in in two red gringos land, there's you know two voting members. So. Um, so the election was over pretty quick and, uh, another hall of famer butted in with, uh, he was contesting the results. Um, he did. It it was close. It was close. It was extremely close. We went in, uh, I don't know if you can call it a recount, but I hit the at button again and, uh, Sam McGuire was fourth. I don't know. Did you try it to see where he popped up on yours? Um, Ooh, I don't know that I did. Well, if you're looking it up to give it some context, my own brother, my own flesh and blood, chimed in and wanted to know, like, hey, where am I at on this list? Uh, he sat, <laughs> as you put it, in the relegation zone yeah. at 19th. 19th. <laughs> uh, why am I not getting a... But those are the type of notifications and the type of interactions we go for. Wait, I have to type out the. Oh no! It actually, <laughs> it uh, it'd be Alan. 
Oh, respect. Yeah. Sam is, uh, I think, sixth for me. Okay. But he doesn't like me as much as he likes you, so. That's yeah, it's a- just because I throw all the uh, bad, bad full breakfasts his way. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, we try. Yeah. <laughs> we, need to, we need to get that, like, we need to get that going in, like, the official supporters clubs, like, who eat, you know, who go to the, like, pubs and stuff for the games. Because I've seen quite a few full breakfasts eaten out, you know, at at the pub, like, pre-match. And I think that that is something that we could pursue, for sure. I think so. Send us your full breakfast. With (laughs) all due apologies to uh, the Chicago group and A.J. Hudson's, the last full breakfast we had there was was subpar. Really? Yeah. It's it's our go-to spot now. The vibe yeah. there is, is phenomenal, but I do miss the full breakfast that the Globe Pub would uh, would trot out every Saturday, Sunday morning too. So, uh, but yeah, I, I haven't had a really good one in a while because as much as I love the doghouse here, mm-hmm. the the beans they're so bad. <laughs> they're just so I don't the know how beans, beans are the worst part. Bad. They're so bad. You're in like, Mexico though. But no, like, like they no, should the be beans. able to do beans. No, but they they have to be like the authentic ones. So well, they yeah. have like the authenticity and like the flavor and the sauce. Sure. But the bean is like, I don't know. It it did not take well to the Mexican soil because it is like eating, <laughs> eating like, I don't know, jelly beans or something like that. It's bad. Like chewy. <laughs> But like hard too. <laughs> How could they be hard and chewy? How's this possible? <laughs> um, that's <laughs> that's extremely disappointing. That is all right. If uh, yeah, so like match day tomorrow, <laughs> or wait, no, it's like an afternoon game. Well, you yeah. could still eat a full breakfast. I guess <laughs> I don't know why you would. It's like the middle of a work day. <laughs> just down in down in I really sausage. Just want to beans. put myself to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, from here on, yeah, if, here on out, send a, I don't know, send the gringos your full breakfast. Yeah. They like, need a hashtag. yeah, we need to come up with a hashtag, like, cause they have my pee all morning. We need to make like our version of, of my, my LFC breakfast, breakfast. I don't know. It's a work in progress. Yeah. Working title. We'll, we'll get we'll, there. We'll consult the, uh, the VP. Sam on this one. <laughs> this is his one, his one power as the vice president. Like, <laughs> otherwise, it's a ceremonial position. No. <laughs> so, uh, so the last, the last hero. This is a, a temporary. He's he, he's not a hall of famer. I want to I want to make that. No, yeah, I want to make yeah, that yeah. very very clear from the get go. Um, but hero of the week uh, goes goes out to a guy whose username is unpronounceable less less so and less guessable than brian laz (laughs) (laughs) i also don't want to put it out there because i don't vouch for this guy i vouch for this one tweet and i actually followed him just one tweet and after seeing what he was putting out there immediately unfollowed him so i got really excited because (laughs) well we'll just read read a tweet so old ali bond our our favorite uh, Liverpool ITK yep. slash rich kid that gets to attend all these events, I think. Yeah. 
tweets, Navikaita has been one of the best performers in training in recent weeks, but it seems he's really struggling to replicate that in matches at the moment. Very strange. To which our our hero of the week responds, <laughs> man got a selfie with Klopp at a meet and greet at Melwood and is now moving like he's Boobach's <laughs> replacement. Uh, it's great every time. It's really... <laughs> because I, I loathe Oliver Bond. Yeah. <laughs> not, maybe not him as a person, although I'm not sure I'd be fond of him. Yeah. But in terms of like the content he rolls out there, yeah. you know, he's the type of guy that like put something out there and then in the parentheses at the end, like gives credit to somebody like don't <laughs> just right. hit retweet, just, just retweet guy. <laughs> but that was the perfect, like calling him out on his shit for what he is. He, he went to a couple, he got some selfies with Klopp and all of a sudden he tweets <laughs> random bullshit and people buy it. Uh, moving like he's Bufox replacement. <laughs> That's, oh, that's incredible. So, I mean, a bit of a one-hit wonder in terms of our Hero of the Week. And just, that's okay. Just a one-tweet wonder. But, you know, that's – yeah, and that is. that's We all we all can have our moment in the sun, and, and this is his. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, kind of – I don't know. Big match tomorrow. There's a lot of conversation going on in the, in the group chat about, you know, who's going to be there, who's showing up. Um, we here in El Paso, we've got, we've settled into our new home at, uh, the district pub and kitchen, yeah. uh, quite nicely. Um, so we're, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for a decent, it's always tough with, with weekday games, um, yeah. to, to drive the crowd. Um, although champions league, people always seem to be able to find the time. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe it's a competition, competition, uh, bias. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Paso has always been Champions League strong. Yeah, they make they make time for Champions League. They don't not so much with uh, with the uh, I don't know EL the yeah the league games. Um, but uh, hoping for a, a strong turnout tomorrow, and definitely looking obviously for an improved performance from the Reds. Um, if uh, if there's one player that you're looking to you think will will break out tomorrow for Liverpool? Who do you who do you think it's going to be? I don't want to steal your thunder, but I want like if there's one player I think that maybe needs to break out, it might be Navigator. Yeah, but if there's one person I want, you're just look forward to. I would love to see like you know back to the old four three three and Bobby Firmino just firing. I don't want to be too too greedy, but I don't think a, a brace from Bobby Dazzler is too much to ask for. No, I'd, I'd say that's, I'd say that definitely, uh, he, he looked extremely to me, like when he came off against Lester, I was, I was like, well, I don't think we're going to score now. Cause he yeah. was actually looking the most likely of, of anyone, um, and had, had a chance early on. So he would, if he can do that, what he was doing, uh, in terms of, I mean, the touches and the control in and around the box. If he can do that, and it's not, you know, the ground isn't covered in ice and snow, um, <laughs> then then we should be we should be good. Uh, I I am interested to see how we kind of play against West Ham because, um, you know, last year at uh, at West Ham we kind of 
we let them hang around the game for a while, and then as soon as they scored to get back into it, we hit them on the counter and yeah, <laughs> and Oxcourt where there's that amazing video from the uh, West Ham fans of uh, <laughs> like the the <laughs> like the fan YouTube channel that yeah. they film their reactions to everything, and they're like so- still celebrating the goal when Ox goes the other <laughs> goes down the other end and scores. Oh. <laughs> If you haven't seen that, uh, it's I highly recommend it because it's just it you you can watch an entire you know sixty thousand people all just go up and down all at all at once. And I haven't seen much from West Ham Twitter since that moment. So (laughs) here's that was it. Here's to continuing tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So yeah, if you guys. if you guys have enjoyed the episode, then uh, go ahead and uh, subscribe. Um, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. We're on our website, tworedgringos.com. Um, and then you guys can check us out on on Twitter as well, at Two Ray Gringos, and Instagram at Two Ray Gringos. So, yeah, got all kinds of stuff going on. Um, we're, uh, I think we're, at, now that we're fully, like, out of January... Because the same way, the same way that the club gets busy in January, I feel like the Gringos get extremely, uh, like, just have all kinds of of stuff going on right around the new year. So now that we're out of that out of that busy period, hopefully we'll be able to be uh, a little more um, consistent with uh, with the episodes. But everybody's got a lot of stuff going on. So, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. You got any uh, any final thoughts? No, just need just need the three tomorrow. If for nothing else, yep. not just the title race, but to quiet LFC Twitter, just for a few days. Yeah, just for a few days. <laughs> we absolutely love most of you, but some of you are the worst. So um, yeah, anything. Phil, Phil is not speaking for both of us. <laughs> uh, I, if you're listening to this, I have genuine enough. <laughs> If you if you've made it this far, then yeah. you know we have nothing but love for you. Right. Yeah. Um I don't I don't have a song for the to close out with. Is there a good what is happening? I don't know. Are you hearing that? Mm-mm. That was weird. <laughs> what was it? It was an autoplay video that I had muted on my <laughs> when I was looking at Peter Crouch's transfer history and it just automatically like popped up full volume for some reason. So what was the music? What clip did I find? And it upset me because like the background was like a YouTube, like soccer highlights clip or something like that. What What was that? Yeah, what was that? Because it really upset me. (laughs) I'll get to the bottom of it. Welcome. I can't find it.
was it the <laughs> was it was it the tweet where someone took footage from like Fiji or Bali or something like that and <laughs> said it, in, called it Indianapolis. Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, oh, I can't find that one. Is that the song you wanted to use, or? <laughs> it's the only one that came to mind. <laughs> I want to play a song of. Oh yeah, was it Martin Atkinson versus Liverpool? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this this is a referee video. Martin Atkinson's like failed refereeing skills clip. <laughs> really escalates too. I I mean I think that's part of the joke. Like, <laughs> I think, I think, I hope it's a joke, uh, but I did enjoy the, do we need the house beats? Like this is a 2015 Pogba skills <laughs> compilation. Um, the last, okay, here, here, I'll actually, now that we've got, now that we played music, we can talk about whatever. That's the rules. So, um, the, the, uh, Maguire challenge against Mane on halfway. Like, is it a red? Of course that's a red. Okay. Like, the only argument I've heard is that Johnny Evans, was it Johnny Evans? Yeah. He is that the Johnny other Evans center back, yeah. Would catch Mane. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It was a red. Yeah. Uh and I mean Salah's in support as well. So I mean it's not even it's a it's a two on the keeper. It's not even you know, there's not <laughs> a Liverpool player is closer to Mane than a than a Leicester player in terms oh, of yeah. well also just coverage. the clear intent. Yeah. That there there's no way that that's just not it, it <laughs> Right. <laughs> there's no way that's not like blatantly stopping a goal scoring attempt. Right. And that's the, yeah. Um, it was, uh, watching, watching Lester today. It was interesting because, uh, in commentary, the guy actually did bring up the fact that, uh, like basically Harry Maguire, like a little lucky to be playing today. Cause he could have been sent off against Liverpool. And I was like, Oh my God, a pundit acknowledged that like that could have been a red. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable, Jeff. And also, wasn't it Maguire that forearm shivered solid to the face? Yes. So really, like, yeah. either way, he probably should have been off because of yeah. two yellows, even if it isn't a red. Uh, what is that? Uh, Makes a meal of it. <laughs> the, yeah, the performance uh, was... Uh, celebrated the win over Borussia Dortmund in the dressing room by doing an impression of Chris Kamara. Is that right? And if so, 
Would you like to repeat it for us and for our viewers on Sky Sports News? Bueno, dicen las malas lenguas que celebró eh, la victoria entre el Dortmund con una, una imitación de Chris Camara. Eh, le pregunta si sería capaz de repetirlo ahora para Sky Sports. Do you remember that? Do you, do you remember Marino doing that? No. <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable, Jeff. Uh, anyways, that's, uh, yeah, that's as good a spot as any. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. Unbelievable, Jeff. <laughs> that's another point. Like, I mean, he's, he's our, you know, he's our backup left back. Like, he's. Firmly on the desk chart. He's still there. <laughs> yeah. We need we need two. We need two full backs. Yeah. Maybe a center back or two. Yeah. <clears throat> It'll be I, I really do think like regardless of how this season ends up panning out, it's gonna be extremely interesting how business is done in the summer because I really yeah. do think that there's about five players that need to go. And oh, yeah. probably <laughs> probably in an equal or maybe even greater amount that should come in the other way. Um, even if they are like youth players and stuff, you know, because yeah. if you're replacing like, you know, if a Rigi leaves, then it's like, okay, we could bring in like a young yeah, striker. I'm, it doesn't need to be like a, a first teamer. Yeah. Even if like Brewster or something, then you're, right. yeah, that's a natural progression. Yeah. But if like, <laughs> if, if, if we're about to kick off, you know, the nineteen twenty season and like Moreno is still a legitimate option at left back, then like we probably just need to we probably need to have then a Michael Edwards isn't quite what he's cut out to be. Have a word with ourselves. <laughs> if we haven't sold Moreno for fifty million by the end <laughs> <laughs> Then he should hang it up. Yeah. <laughs> he's done. Oh, man. <laughs>